Welcome to this Leaders Lift bonus episode. I'm Greg Cunningham, and I'm the host of Leaders Lift. Now, I know it's on hiatus, but I told you, those that have listened in the past, that I was going to leave the infrastructure up so I could drop some bonus content, or if something came up, I could drop a topic. So today, I'm just putting in some cuts. It's a pretty long set of cuts from the Gadgets for Families tech podcast that I do with uh, Jason. If you want to check that out, you can check that out on YouTube or on the podcast. But we talked about digital nomads, and it wasn't as much a tech conversation as it was about the concept of being a digital nomad and whether we work to live or whether we live to work and some of those kinds of things. So I thought y'all might find this interesting. So um, here it is. Uh, It's a little bit different format. So I hope you enjoy it and I hope you get something out of it. The topic today is about digital nomads, right? And it started with with an article by Gianna Eckhart and Alexandria Anton... Antonova, I practice this name. I'm so glad you're the one trying to say those names. (laughs) I didn't want to screw her name up, but Antonasova, Antonasova. So the article was for the Harvard Business Review, and we'll include a link in the show notes. Uh, I encourage all you guys to check that out. That is a really good article, and it really opens your eyes to, again, not just. I'm not going into the office today. I'm just going to fire my VPN and actually building a lifestyle around digital nomadism. So, um, Greg, let's just start off with what exactly is digital nomadism? If you want to answer that for us. Yeah, I think that the interesting thing about this article is it was really written from a, hey, here's some business opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. What can brands or marketing teams or whatever do to support this new digital nomad, quote unquote, movement? And, um, one of the stats that they quoted is that digital nomadism has gone up 131% since 2019. And, and you look at the pandemic and you go, Oh, well, yeah, of course, remote work is much, much higher from that. (laughs) But if you paid attention to remote work, it's starting to pull back, right? I mean, big companies Mm -hmm. are starting to pull people back into the office. And so digital nomadism is not like Jason said, I just, I have equipment that allows me to work from home on occasion. Digital nomadism are people that have jobs or careers, whatever they may be. Mm -hmm. And they have, let me put it this way. This is the old grandpas coming out in this. They don't really have physical roots anywhere. Right. So these are people that don't have a lease on an apartment. These are people that don't have a home. Right. So if you had to give a physical address, which is one of my concerns about this whole concept, if you have to give a physical address for something, they really don't have anything permanent to be able to provide unless they're going to provide like their parents' physical address, you know, or something, yep. something like that. So, but these are folks, they have careers, they're working from wherever it makes sense. And it's a cultural shift that says, I want to travel. I mm-hmm. want to do all of these other things. I don't want to have things. I want to do things. And so I'm going to choose a job or a career or whatever the case may be that's going to allow me to do what I want from wherever I want. And right. there's some big hotspots, right? I think they mentioned Bali and was it Estonia? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But some places I would not have put high on my list of things that countries have started <laughs> issuing quote unquote, digital nomad visas, 
right? right. That allow right. you to come in and work in the country and do all that kind of stuff. And I remember, I don't know if you remember, I won't mention her name, but we had a young lady that was working for us as an intern and mm-hmm. then we hired her and then her significant other got a job in Germany and she's like, I want right. to go. And I was like, cool by me. I- I'll go have fun. And right. HR went, meh, 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 right. I mean, major <laughs> thumbs down on, on the whole process. But yeah. I think today that might be different because of this digital nomad. So again, this is not yeah. just work from home. These are people whose lives are built around traveling and being somewhere else and still doing their jobs. Right, right. And you mentioned things like, you know, the, the digital nomad visa from certain com- countries and stuff like that. Um, yeah, this is more than just getting an Airbnb at a vacation spot, mm-hmm. right? And and saying, I'm just going to extend my vacation for, you know, another two weeks or whatever so I can stay here in Costa Maya, Mexico and 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 still be able to work. This is basically, you know, yeah. 24 hour a day vacation. And then you just work your, your, your eight hours and stuff. And it involves things like, you know, of course, passports, right? If you're staying in any country, yeah. you need a passport. But, you know, making sure that you're up on that country's laws and getting a visa and the documentation and stuff that you need to be able to, uh, to, be able to work and, and things like that. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit more involved than just firing up the, uh, the VPN. So, so I'm going to start, you know, just with this conversation, we're going to keep it simple, right? We're going to, I'm going to ask three questions and then we'll answer those three questions and try to, uh, try to talk this thing through. So question one, I'm going to start with is why do you feel that, that there was an increase, right? Like you mentioned, 131% increase since 2019. Um, I think COVID started a lot of that, but I think that, um, like you said, some of those numbers are coming back, right? Companies are calling people back into the office. 2020, 2021, it was more out of necessity that we had this this huge increase in the remote workforce. But I think a lot of companies noticed that it didn't affect productivity, right? Their numbers didn't go down. People were actually working or working better or, or you know, working harder from these uh uh, from you know, from being remote and not being in the office, but I think for people, I think it gave them a, a sense of freedom, right? Yeah. Whether that be a false sense of freedom or not, I I don't, you know, that's something that we can debate, uh, you know, and include that in the comments if you have an opinion about this. But I think it gave people a sense of freedom. They can work and, like you said, not have any roots. They don't own a car. They don't own their home. They don't have to pay those utilities, right? I saw a documentary. Um, I'll, I'll get into that later, what the documentary was really f- f- focused on. But there was these people, um, then they work for your Exxon Mobiles and your, you know, your huge companies, your huge tech companies, and they're buying up all of the property in Mexico and things like that. But, you know, for 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 these folks, they don't have to pay those utilities or whatever, because a lot of them were living in Airbnbs and hotels and things like that. And um, all the cost of all the extra costs of involved in owning a home and things like that. But they're basically free from all of that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, I... Oh, but but I was saying that 
my, my other point was, isn't that just a symptom of the way, you know, society is now, right? They don't want to own the whole album because they can just stream the two songs they like from the album on Spotify, right? Why buy the whole album? Why buy a stove and a microwave in your little apartment? You know, Uber Eats can literally bring you breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. So you don't even have to learn how to cook. You can eat all of your favorite food all day, every day, and someone could just bring it to you. So, and they used to say, you know, home is where the heart is. Now home is where the, wherever the high-speed internet and the Airbnb is, right? Yeah. So I think it's that, that sense of freedom that, that people want that that's what's driving this increase in digital nomadism. I don't know. What do you think, Rick? What do you think is driving this, this increase? I told you we run the risk of me getting philosophical in this, right? So <laughs> no, um, let's get into it. For those that don't know, I mean, the other part of my business is consulting, digital transformation consulting. And when I think about that, several years ago, I wrote an article that's, I think it's still floating around out on uh, LinkedIn about um, Netflix and Blockbuster. So there's the grandpa, right. Blockbuster. Right. But in order for a transformation to take place, it's got to be a convergence of three things. You've got to have the culture's got to be ready for it. Mm -hmm. The technology needs to be ready for it. And the laws and the legislation and all of those kinds of things need to be ready for it as well. Okay. Right. So um, technology's probably been ready for this for the most part for, for a decade or so. I mean, as soon as you introduce high-speed internet and um, unlike the rest of the world, the U.S. really lags behind in high-speed internet. I mean, you go to most other Which countries, semi-developed yeah. even, and you're going to get much better internet than you are here in the U.S., especially when you live in rural. I'm lucky. I don't know how I ended up with gig fiber for as cheap as I get it right. here. It's just crazy to think of the town that I live in, that that's what I have. But what I yeah. do also shows that it's a company that bought out Comcast in this area. Comcast wouldn't have done it, I don't think. So they yeah. bought out Comcast and you've got a small town company benefiting a bunch of small towns. Anyway, that's probably a whole other conversation. So yeah. we're going to answer the question about technology and when a little later in the show, because you've got a question about that. Mm -hmm. um, laws and legislation wise, there's still a ways to go. Um, so I can talk about a few of those things later on. But the cultural thing is what I think you were talking about. So pandemic hits and everybody has to stay home. You can't. Yep do anything. You've got to stay home. But then as that first six months or so of the pandemic, as we realized it was going to be longer term and we were able to open up some things, companies realized that I've got to do something about this if I want to stay in business. I can't mm -hmm. just tie my business to commercial real estate anymore. And so they started to open this up and you had this, I won't call it a mass exodus, but you had a huge exodus of people from the Bay Area or some of these other yep. high rent, high property value places. And that all of a sudden said, hey, I can go live out in the country somewhere, which is much more my lifestyle, but I can continue to do my high tech job that pays me very, very yep. well. Right. Yep. And, and so, that they love doing. Correct, they love doing correct. it, not just for the pay. If Absolutely. you love doing your job, you can keep yep. doing it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I used to think about, um, so when I look at potential church missions, like if Karen and I wanted to serve a mission right now, they've got mm -hmm. missions for senior couples. I know I'm not that old, although we're getting up to one of those big <laughs> milestone birthdays. But um, when I look at that, when I look at how much a mission would cost me here in the States, or like Hong Kong, which is one of the mm -hmm. most expensive, or London, 
And then I look at something like South America and I look at right. just the sheer cost differential, right? And so mm -hmm. if I were going to go to somewhere in South America, but I still make my San Francisco Bay Area salary, or even if they adjusted my salary down, which a lot of companies right. started to do, they had salary right. tiers based on where you live. But even if they adjusted it down, I'm still going to live right. pretty darn well, right? right? So I think people started to see that. And then I think that other thing that you talked about where people are um, not wanting to own things, I don't yeah. want to buy something. I don't need to, uh, I don't need to own my video game. I don't need to own my music. I'll just stream it because it'll be there just stream it. forever. Yes. And there are some potential downsides for some of that kind of stuff, which we can talk about. But I think that happened. And then the last thing that I think happened is that, and this started before the pandemic, but um, with inflation the way it's been running and the cost of the housing market, all of those things have combined that this younger generation, like you and I already own homes, so we yes. know what that's like. Once you own a home, it's easier to get the second home. Yes. Right? Because you're going to build up equity, hopefully, in your first home, and then you can turn that into a second home. But if I look at, you know, Dustin at one point said, I'm never going to be able to afford a home. Yeah. Right? And the that's salaries getting worse. haven't changed that much. You yeah. know, the, the property values went up, but not the salaries. Yeah. And so just that sheer cost of the American dream, I think people have started to look at that and gone, oh, that's not even yeah. a dream for me. I'll never be able to make that a reality. <laughs> right. And so even if whether that's true or not is the debate, right? But when you have that kind of a shift and you say, I can't have the dream that my parents had, right? Then you right. start saying, okay, well, what else is there? And so that's where I think a lot of people started to look and say, oh, well, now that I think about it, maybe I don't want that dream that my parents had. Maybe yeah. I want a different thing. And so that's the cultural aspect of all of this, where I think there's this cultural shift happening um, where people are finally starting to say, I don't want what my parents wanted. Yeah. And that's not necessarily wrong. Right. Sorry, that was a really mm -hmm. long philosophical. No, no, no. That, and that's what I wanted to get into. And, and, you know, part of my disclaimer, too, from, from the start was I didn't want to sound like two old men ranting. Because it's okay to not want the things that we want, right? Hmm? Not wanting that, that quote-unquote American dream that, that we've been chasing, you know? Their American dream is a little bit different than ours, you know what I mean? Yeah. So we're not saying that there's anything wrong with not one of the things that we wanted or our parents wanted or, you know, things that our great-great-grandparents worked for to, uh, to build our family. Um, and this is part of my rant from later. It's just we have yet to adjust to yes. this younger generation not wanting to build on that. And maybe they'll be able to do it a different way. We just hadn't seen it yet. So, uh, again, that's, that's my yeah. spoiler for, uh, for the post for show. But uh, well, yeah, the, yeah, the I, cultural I think that shift is, is not point. done, right? I mean, think right. about yeah, how long shifting. it think about how long it took Blockbuster to go out of business, right? Yeah. And for people to make the shift from I go down to the store, I rent a VHS or a Beta back right. in the day, just to make <laughs> make us feel even older. 
but I go down and rent something. But there was this very, very long transition. I mean, Netflix only shuttered its digital DVD delivery service like last right. year. Yeah, yeah, it was maybe the early year last year. Yeah. So this cultural shift, and it may require the younger generations that want this different lifestyle to get into positions of power, meaning political office or running businesses or, you know, all of those kinds of things in order to complete this transition, because you are going to yeah. have people. And, I, you know, I take a little bit of exception. I know why you're saying it. You don't want us to sound like old fogies, but I don't think either of us think that way. And we're going to talk about this in question number two, right? Yeah. But I think it may take some more of that transition of that generation getting into a position where they can influence the broader culture, the broader legislation. Again, the technology, not so much because I think it's ready for this transition, right. but there's part of the culture that's ready for it, part of it that's not. There's not a whole lot of legislation and infrastructure and all of that kind of stuff that's ready for this. And yeah. in order to complete that cultural transition, it may just require this quote unquote younger generation getting into a position where they can influence it. Right, right. So let's let's move on then to, to question number two. And that's, could you see yourself as a digital nomad and how would you apply these things to your life, right? Your your current lifestyle. So I'll I'll start off on this one, uh, uh just like the last one, but Greg, you know I like to cruise. Right. I was just going to say, you better talk about cruising <laughs> when you go into this. So uh, my wife and I, we love the cruise. Um, uh, and even the, the even the kids, they love the cruise, too. And man, people always, well, I don't want to get into that, but people always ask, you know, how do y'all go on so many cruises? Uh, uh, you know, your your credit cards must be maxed out and things like that. And I'm like, you know, we, we've worked that into our life. So I say that to bring this up. You know, Pop Life was started for because of our love of cruising, right? And I'll explain. I, I worked full time with with Halliburton. Uh, my wife, she was a stay at home mom, but the salary was you know good enough for us to 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 be able to live and support ourselves. But it didn't really, at the time, leave us you know much income for cruising and stuff like you that. Going we were paying for our very right, often. right. We we can pay for our family vacation once a year or something like that, or you know, a quick little trip down to San Antonio or something. But say, okay, well, what can we do to not stress ourselves, our bills, and our our income from from you know my nine to five? Um, so we started the popcorn company, and that gave us a little extra income and things like that. And remember, it was just extreme part time. It was just we'll book a cruise, we'll pay it off, we'll have extra money for the ship and stuff like that, and. Every time we would have a market or something, people would be like, this is the best popcorn I've ever tasted. Uh, we know we love this. Where can we find more? Where can we find more? And we said, okay, well, maybe we have something with this. And then 2020 happened and I was laid off and forced to invest in myself, you know, and invest in us. And again, that's a different conversation. But the the point is, I, we structured our lives around being able to have the ability to cruise when we want, right? I didn't want to have to submit for vacation time. I wanted to be able to say, this cruise is cheap. This cruise is during our birthday month, which is September. You know, it covers my sons, both of my sons, my dad, and my birthday all in one, all in September. So we always take a trip in September. 
it can cover all of that and it doesn't break the bank, right? We'll have a separate source of income to support our cruising habit. So now that's digital nomadism is not really the same thing, but I can see myself if I was physically able or if the company would, would be able to, if I was, if I had the means to be able to work from a cruise ship, I would <laughs> yeah. Let me put it like that because we structured our lives, the company, we built the company to allow us to be able to have our, our, our cruising time and stuff like that. So I can see someone wanting to say, Hey, I want to live in Bali. I want to live in, in, uh, you know, in London, still be able to work my job and still be able to be, you know, be yeah. the, uh, uh, you know, live the life that I want to live. So you're talking about, and we'll get into this more later, but you're talking about a shift from, I choose a job and a career mm -hmm. so that I can have a life to right. I'm choosing a job or a career that enables the lifestyle that I want. So it's a lifestyle yes. career. And that's a whole yes. philosophical conversation. Right, I'll get right. into a little bit and I'll definitely, we'll probably talk about it a little more in the, in the post show, but you may not be a digital nomad because you're not working for a corporation. You're not right. able to work from wherever, whenever you want, which is kind of the whole thing about digital nomads, but even more mm -hmm. important, your choice is more important, I think, than choosing to be a digital nomad, which is I know the life that I want. Right. I'm going to choose a path that allows me to do that. And that is not your parents' goal. That no. is not what your parents no. did, your grandparents. Um, that is definitely not what anybody in my family has ever done. Right. It's always, I choose the job and then I figure out what I can do. Yes. Based on the job, how much money I make. Okay, well, I've got a goal to make more money so that I can do more things. Instead of flipping this around and saying, like you have done, which is, I want to cruise twice a year. Yep. And I want to pay my bills. Right? <laughs> right. I, I want to cruise right. at least twice a year and I want to pay my bills. So what do I have to do? And I got thinking, you know, the question really for you is the, the day your daughter graduates from high school, right? Right. Are you and when are you going to spend a whole year on a cruise ship? Right. right. And we could, and... <laughs> we could. So, and you're right. So it's not necessarily digital nomadism, but the choice is the same. And I, and I, that's what I'm saying. I can see how I, uh, I can apply those things to my life because technically I made the same choice. I made the choice of shifting from find a job. And then, you know, like you said, do what I can do within my means of that job. I shifted from that to saying, this is the life that I want to live. Let me build my career and my environment and stuff around that. So, right. uh, you know, I'm the boss. Like you asked me earlier, aren't you the boss? I still don't take as many vacation days as I want or, or off days or, or time. days off period. <laughs> but let's get into that, though. So you, you said that, you know, it, it is more of, a, of you know, a, a shift in, you know, your your whole thinking and stuff like that. So what do you think? How could you apply this to your life or and things like that? Yeah, and just make sure you cut me off because I have spent my entire Jason knows how driven I am. So right. Jason has seen me in a corporate environment and I can get things done. I can hang with the best of them. Right. right? I can 
I can do all the traveling. I can go overseas. I can evaluate vendors. I can sit down in an executive room and do presentations and all that kind of stuff. Right. But let me, let me stop you before I often say, you know, like when we talk about like your clients and stuff like that, like, Oh, they thought they were getting a regular contract, a regular client, not Greg bought 2000. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Greg is the data. He's an Android of, of, you know what I mean? Consulting and stuff like that, but go ahead, go ahead. I didn't mean to, hopefully I throw you off your point. No, no, no. And that sounds kind of like bragging, but I spent a whole career, yeah. right? Doing that. And I had an amazing mentor when I first started that had been an executive with IBM and just so happened to be working at the bank and brought me on and saw something. I don't know who in their right mind gave me the kind of responsibilities <laughs> that she gave me. So I spent 20 plus years chasing that dream and we've owned you know, houses in every city we've lived in basically. Mm -hmm. And that's the American dream and all that kind of stuff. And then, um, this last time I got laid off, it just made me stop and go, I don't want that anymore. Yep. I just don't. It isn't that I don't want the American dream, but what I decided I didn't want is to chase the money or mm -hmm. chase the life. I wanted to live the life and let whatever I was doing support the life that I wanted to live. And so right, wrong, or whatever, I have spent since September of 2022 doing my own thing, right? right. So I've got my consulting business, did the Leaders Lift podcast for a while, didn't quite do what I wanted it to do. We're doing this podcast. I'm paying my bills, right? I mean, mm -hmm. do I have as much money as I had when I was working for a Silicon Valley tech company? Absolutely not. Right. Um, right. Do I have all the stressors that I had then? No. Do I have a whole other set of stressors? Yes. Right. right. But certainty and things that, like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to, I wanted to live a different style of life. Now, last year, it probably wouldn't have mattered anyway with both my parents passing away. I was talking to someone yesterday and I'm like, I don't know how I got anything done last year, to be honest. Yeah. Right. I mean, it just was just one thing after another, after another. But right. what that's led me to is I'm transitioning. I've made the decision to transition and Jason's sitting there in his head going, it's about time. Right. 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 So we are in the process of transitioning to a lifestyle career. So I couldn't keep doing things exactly the way I've done them for the last year not over the longer term. There's a difference between being able to pay your bills versus being able to pay your bills and still start funding retirement, right? And yeah. thinking about some of those kind of longer term things. In fact, I had somebody ask me yesterday with this transition I want to make, have you thought about how many years you're actually going to be able to do this new thing because it's more physical and more yeah. hands-on. It's not just sitting at a computer, which I could probably do until who knows, till my brain doesn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. But um so I want to make this transition and um, I've been able to think about that and been able to start thinking about that. And so I'm not going to be a digital nomad, but the next step in my career is going to enable the lifestyle that my wife and I have decided we want to have. Right. It'll enable a lifestyle that will allow us to support the kids. It does not involve where's the next home I'm going to purchase, yep. right? Chasing it does that, not yep. involve... Chasing that next city and that next yeah, high-paying position. The, 
Yep, exactly. Yeah. None of that stuff is even, even part of this. So do I have all the answers right now? No, absolutely not. Um, but that's why it's a journey. In fact, I was, yeah. couldn't fall asleep last night and I had to send myself a note that says, stop trying to think 15 steps ahead, right? Just think about the next one or two steps. You know what your end destination, your end goal is, but yes. don't try and fill in all the steps in between right now. Just fill in the next couple of steps. So right. digital nomad, no, because I don't know that I want to work for, you know, a tech company or somebody else that's going to let me work from anywhere in the world. Um, lifestyle career? Absolutely. That's my next yeah. step. Yeah. Yeah. So I know I mentioned this before, but when um, you and um, my direct manager would would um, be tasked with going through the interview process, right? You, you used to have like a, a, a panel or or we would team up to do something. And one of the questions we would always ask, and there's no wrong answers to this question, right? It's, it's just to see this person's mindset was was life about the journey or the destination? Remember that? Mm -hmm. Remember that question? And you know, a lot of people gave a lot of different answers, and I would always answer that question for me. Uh, it's always about the journey, right? Because you have that destination in sight, but throughout the journey, sometimes that destination changes, yeah. right? You know, it may you may start off saying, "I want to get to that point. I want to get to point B or point Z," and as you're going through all of the different steps, you say, well, maybe I don't want to be a Z anymore. Maybe I want to be at Y. So it's about enjoying that, that journey to get to the destination stop. Um, and again, I, this is just my perspective. I'm not saying you should be the same way, but you know, so many people work their lives away, you know, trying to get to a certain destination and, and not enjoying the journey. So we definitely need to make time to enjoy that. So, well, and I wasn't like that. I was right. at one point I wanted to be a CEO, right? I thought right. I'm going to run the bank, you know, back when I was there. And I think there was even some of that when I was at Stewart, right? Which is how right. do I get up into those? Cause I was working with those executives and I got along great with them. And yeah. if my kids listen to this episode, the thing that I want them to get out of this is that dream, mm -hmm. dream big, don't be afraid to change your dreams. Right. But most importantly, live life, right? That make it be about the journey. Yes, the destination is fine. The destination, like you said, can change. Dreams change. But the right. journey you're going through right now is what it is. Right. Right. And right. you need to take advantage of that. And, you know, like um, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, we're sitting out, sitting at dinner, and um, everybody's super, super sick because I live in a Petri dish. And my <laughs> right. granddaughter, we're sitting at the dinner table, and she's like, Mom, why can't you go with me to bake bread tomorrow? They were doing a bed breaking, uh, bread baking experiment in her preschool. And my daughter's like, I'm sick, honey. I can't go. I can't go and get the other kids sick. And, right. and she's like, okay, mom. And you could just see the down, right? How, right? how that was. And so, you know, I get up the next morning and they go off to school. And about an hour before the bread baking thing was, I just realized, what am I doing? 
Yeah. I don't have anything on my plate for my client for the next two or three hours. It wasn't podcast day. Actually, I think it might have been podcast day, but you were gone. Um, mm -hmm. But anyway, so I'm like, so I'm texting my wife and saying, what time is it at? Yeah. And I'm going to go bake bread. Yeah. I just show up and she's like, Papa. And she does her so excited. Right. And we made bread and she was thrilled and all that kind of stuff. That is such a difference between when my youngest daughter was born two days into my week of paternity leave. Cause that's all we got back then yeah. two weeks or two days in my wife's like, you just might as well go back to work. Cause I was getting so many phone calls and working on so many things from home that she's like, just yep. go back to work. Right. And that's just not good. So that's who I was. That is not who I want to be now. I won't say that I'm perfect at all of this, yep. right? but that I think is the difference between the old school dream, which is I got to do whatever it takes to keep the job happy. Right. Yep. Versus the new school thing is I got to do whatever it takes to focus on the things that are most important. So again, if my right. kids are listening, one, I'm sorry that I wasn't nearly as attentive as a parent as I probably should have been when you were growing up. But two, as because they're all still planning their lives and their careers, right? None of them are right. to that point of no return or to that point where it's very difficult to course correct. Yes, think about your destination. Don't be afraid to change the destination. Right. But hey. journey. Go through yeah. the journey. Yeah. So much stuff that so many things to, to include on that, man. You're absolutely right. And and don't feel like you're a failure if you don't if you have to change that that destination, right? Don't right. feel disappointed in yourself. But you know, we're tech grandpas, right? We can go in on this. Like I'm thinking about your, your granddaughter. She's gonna remember that for the rest of her life. You know what I mean? She's she's gonna be an, an old lady on on you know on a sick bed one day and she's gonna remember her grandpa coming. Yeah. To bake bread with her. And and that's the thing in life that we love. That's what we work for. And, you know, we think about, again, that quote unquote American dream that we've been chasing all these years. The man, uh, the, the father, the, the, the grandpa, we were always the ones that have to work to provide this lifestyle for the family. Right. And, and yeah. the mom and the children get to enjoy the lifestyle and the grandchildren get to enjoy the lifestyle that we built. But we were always at work. Yeah. You know, I think yep. about my, uh, you know, let's move on. Cause we can, <laughs> we let can me, let me just talk. We can, an hour and a half. I just want to share one more thing. One of the yep. full-time RV families that I follow, you're going to mm -hmm. love the title of their channel. Cause I think this bleeds into this and then we definitely should get into the tech, but I think it goes right back to what you were talking about and what we're going to hit on in the post show. The name of their channel is less junk, more journey. Wow. They sold everything. They have been full-time RVing for five or seven years now. And they had one kid when they started. They now have two. Right. And she was a travel nurse. So that's kind of what got them into it. Um, okay. Also a thing, didn't realize how big of a deal it was for medical professionals to sign a contract somewhere for three months and then right. move on to the next contract somewhere else. Again, yeah, until COVID, I didn't know choice, there was right? a, yeah, and I didn't know there were traveling nurses until COVID. Good yeah. money, but get to experience somewhere for three months and then move on. So, right. but that's their philosophy, right? Is we don't need to own junk. They still have a home base, um, which I think is part of this cultural legislative shift that still needs to happen. 
They still mm-hmm. have a home base that they can go back to, but less junk, more journey. And I think if all of us focused a little more on the journey and just enjoying that journey, because there's a ton of crap in life, but man, there is plenty of really good moments right. in your journey if you'll take advantage of them. It was fun talking about digital nomadism and, and things like that. But before we go, I wanted to share a weird coincidence that happened when I was outlining the show. So when I'm outlining, I'm usually playing something in the background, right, as I'm prepping. And uh, most of the time it's YouTube or, or um, you know, Netflix or something like that. This time it happened to be uh, YouTube and a YouTuber came on who lives in his little truck. You know, he builds a camper on the back of his truck. He has all his little vehicles and stuff that he's towing and he's riding around the Arctic. Right. And he makes these videos. But during the video, he was sitting on his little mini sofa in the back, eating his gumbo that he had prepared. And uh, he was looking at a celebration of life picture of his friend that he had lost a few years before that uh, that died doing something that he loved. It wasn't a tragic death like, you know, uh, cancer or anything like that. He died. Um doing one of his hobbies or whatever. And it's funny because I have in my head my whole view on digital nomadism and things like that, and I'm out loud in the show, but he really um, just started talking about um, time, right? And, you know, without getting too philosophical about this thing, time is really one of the most important things that we have in our lives, right? So... I thought, well, maybe I'm looking at it from the wrong perspective, right? And this is as I'm outlining the show. And, you know, he started talking about time and how, you know, most people, they spend most of their lives working to buy the things that they want in life or to live the lifestyle that they want, right? Maybe I should look at it from a point of view of you're you're living the lifestyle that you want and the life that you want. And you're taking a little time from that lifestyle to work and to buy the things. You know what I mean? They almost have it in reverse about yeah. uh, the way that we've we've been uh, viewing things. So, you know, instead of me, and and I'm not judgmental about it at all. We'll get into that here in the post show about uh, about my rant. I'll sound a little judgmental, but maybe they have the right idea. You know, instead of working our lives away to be able to go on cruises and go on the vacations or to be at the campsite and things that we want to live. Why don't we live that way and use this technology and stuff available to us to be able to work that six to eight hours a day to be able to achieve those, those uh, to, to maintain or support the lifestyle instead of doing it in reverse, right? You work 360, you know, something days a year to vacation five days, you know, I think both sides have it wrong, personally. Okay. I think the people that say, well, I'm going to work for a couple of months, and then I'm going to take six months off, and then I'm going to go work for a couple of months yep. and take six, months, that. six yeah. months off, and um, and even more extreme than that. I only want to work two hours a week, and then I just want to do whatever. <laughs> I don't think that's good. Uh, I heard the other day that um, – something around idleness is a disease that can quickly become uncurable something like that right so i think that's wrong but i also that is a really good quote i like that yeah (laughs) i'll have to pull the actual one and send it to you but 
I also think the other side of this, and I'm not faulting them because this is how it was, but if I think about older generations that I just have to work. My, my goal in life is to work and I go to work and I come home and I go to work and I come home. And if I have time for the family, but that was a lot of the pressure that was put on, especially uh, husbands and fathers and men in general, right? There was all of this pressure that that's what their goal yeah, in that's life what we're should here have to been. do, right? Yep. And so work at the expense of life or life at the expense of work. And I think exactly what we should be looking at, which is what I think the concept of a lifestyle career is, is a blend of the two is, can I choose a career that allows me to live the kind of life that I want to live and still work, which we need as human mm-hmm. beings, we need to work, but also we have to make money. It's just no real way around that. Even some of these shows, cause I watch them of people that go completely off grid and homestead and all yes. that kind of stuff. They still end up having to pay taxes and, you know, do some of these other kinds of things. So that's the way we're built. So I do think it needs to be a blend of these. And so, I don't think you're looking at it wrong. I just think we need to shift. And what I hope for personally for me, which is why I hope my kids listen to this, is that I hope I'm not too late in making this transition, right? And trying to move into this more lifestyle career that I want to do next um, versus that dream of, yeah, I want to be CEO and have so much money that I can retire and spend time with my money. Don't. That's not what I want anymore. Right, right. Well, thanks for sticking around, everybody. And like you said, like we always say, that the uh, post show is where we get to get extra geeky and really dive in. But today's topic wasn't very techy, right? We're talking about something that's, that's technology allows, but we were mostly talking about the mindset and the choice to be a digital nomad, even though the technology and stuff has been out there for you know maybe the past 10 years or so. But I wanted to start off the, the post show before uh, we really dig into this thing. And and to talk about, you know, some of our past, right? Greg and I, we're sort of some work, we're, we're remote work uh, OGs, just to, to, to use the term that the kids use. And uh, we knew about a lot of the etiquette and how to conduct ourselves while working remotely, right? When COVID hit, all of a sudden we had an entire workforce of people that were forced to work at home um, that weren't necessarily used to the things that, you know, that, that are required to work from home. So, I mean, we had people showing up for meetings in pajamas. We watched, we seen the YouTube and the, the Twitter videos and things like that. People showing up in pajamas, looking like train wrecks. We had kids attending school, laying in the bed, right? They didn't even bother to get out. You say, oh, I roll out of bed and, and went to school. They didn't even roll out of bed. They just reached over, grabbed their device, their tablet, set it on their chest, and they were still laying in the bed in their pajamas. People engaging in illegal activities while in court, yeah. right? I've seen, uh, you know, a guy rolling a joint and smoking marijuana in court, right? And they, the judge immediately sent an officer to go and pick him up. Um, we, yeah, uh, you don't get so many remote, illegal things. No remote for you. No remote yeah, for you. Yeah, we, we need you here in the courthouse. Yeah, yeah. So people just didn't know how to behave. So again, I say, Greg, uh, we're some work remote OGs, right? I remember laughing with, with Wendy several times whenever we would watch these videos and be like, Greg would have never allowed something like that. Or we would have never had this problem uh, back when we started. So 
Greg, you were one of the ones that really pushed for a work from home program back before we had it uh, at Stewart. And uh, um, do you want to talk us through that process to uh, creating a structure? And you work with us, you work with uh, uh, other people on the team and, and uh, other departments and stuff. But we put together these rules and these guidelines that ultimately help you sell it to the execs, right? To yeah. kind of put them at ease. Do you want to talk through some of that? Uh, experience you had putting together this program and this was pre-pandemic like well, i say we we've been at this pandemic yeah yeah way way pre-pandemic so we were already working remotely and we knew how to do it we had things like we had to get up get dressed right it wasn't just because you weren't driving in the office you didn't have to get ready yeah we had to get we had to be dressed we had to you know be presentable of course we had to be able to um be prepared for for meetings and things like that when we were on linked or messenger or whatever it was called at the time so talk us through some of that 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 uh you put together for us and again that sold it to the execs and we were able to work remotely now me and you we still had to be in the office for whatever reason most of the week you know that's how we spend more time together than anyone else on the team but um talk us through some of that yeah so it actually started when i was at the bank um, we had, uh, Visa had a Visa signature card, mm -hmm. you know, black card, whatever you want to call it offering. Right. But in order to sell that card, we had to have 24 by seven support. Right. And so as we got ready to launch that, it was like, how are we going to do that? I mean, I was in Houston at the time. So we had call centers in Houston, Salt Lake, and a very, very small town in Southern Utah. Mm -hmm. And so the two time zones, Houston and so it was just those two time zones having to yeah. support people in um, London time. I forget the name of that that time zone, but yeah, but, anytime. But, yeah. Right. I mean, anytime we zone, had to yeah. have 24 by seven support period. End of story. And um, so the question was, OK, how are we going to do this? We didn't want to. I mean, our offices were in downtown Houston. You really don't want to staff 24 by seven in downtown yeah. Houston. Do you want to do it out in Salt Lake even? No. So the question became, okay, how do we do this? And so we went through this whole thing and this is banking information, right? This is not, I'm just doing IT support and don't have access to any com any real confidential systems. We have access to banking systems. Right. And today it's commonplace, but back then it absolutely was, was yeah, not. Really and sensitive so we, information. Yeah. We went through this process of, how do we pick who can do this? And of course it was our best. And back in that day, you ranked all your call center agents one through 350, you know, so, you know, it was going to be, you had to have a certain ranking and had to be trained and all that kind of stuff. But we went mm -hmm. through this process of um, things like you have to be able to turn on your webcam at a moment's notice. You right. can't have any paper on your desk at all, period, end of story. So if I right. say, turn on your webcam now, you had to be able to flip that thing on. And if you had any paper, even if it was a scrap piece of paper or your daily planner or a book or whatever the case may be, right? So we right. had to put those kinds of rules and guidelines in place to protect data. Now, of course, we had to put all the computer systems in place. How do you connect people up? And back at that point, we provided all of the computer equipment, right? right? The phone, the everything. Um, had to be secured, connected in. We had to put guidelines around internet connections. And this was the whole debate between DSL versus cable internet. DSL could be fast, but depending on where you were, 
it might be too far away from the hub and then it wasn't stable. And right. so there were all of these kinds of things. And so by the time I got to that point at Stewart, where we were doing IT support, which is a whole other ball game, mm-hmm. I had already been through this rodeo in a much more strict environment. And there was probably five to seven years between those and technology moved a right. long way. Really I mean, the, yeah. one of the biggest things was iPhone happened in between. Right. those two things right so right. and voice over ip systems too really really mm-hmm. picked up yeah so that was i had the experience right i was able to take that in and say okay i've done this before at a bank it was way more strict way more way harder to do and it was successful so here are the bits and pieces that we needed to have here and we did we had all of those things right you had to be able to do video and you had to be able to be online and we could track the difference with the call center is as soon as you signed in the phone, we knew exactly what you were doing. Right. right. I mean, that was kind of the way it went, but um, we had to define which jobs Jason's joking around about. He couldn't because he had to manage the phone in- inventory. Right? right. I mean, he had to physically be there to wipe devices and issue new devices and handle the, it was almost, you know, sort of genius bar like because it wouldn't be uncommon for an exec to wander down to our floor and hand Jason yep. a phone and say, fix i'll be back in an hour kind of thing right. so it was literally um, like a bar my desk was almost like a bar it had like yeah. a countertop around and it kind of had like a corner like a curve and it was a bar and people would come up to the bar and and bring their broken devices and set them right there so yeah yeah so we worked through all that kind of stuff and that's not the focus today right i mean there's there were no best practices back then that was the struggle no. Right. Today you could right. go pull, I mean, you could go to your um, security provider, whatever, whoever provides your security software. You could go to your MDM provider. Um, you could go to Verizon or AT&T or any of these other companies today and say, hey, we need somebody to help us with best practices on allowing work from home. And mm-hmm. there was none of that. And some of that happened the same thing when the pandemic hit and, you know, March, they closed everything down. Right. It was oh my gosh, Right. what are we doing tomorrow? And so they had to do a little bit of that. But yeah, we had the best practices in place. And so I just, I don't have a problem with this. So my personal philosophy, you know, is do I care where, when? No. Are you getting your job done? Yes. If it requires you to be hand-on and present, then you got to be hands-on and present. But like that example I talked about of the person that worked for us that, um, wanted to go work in Germany, I could care less. Right. I knew exactly what she would be working on. She had deliverables. I could track everything that I needed to track for her productivity and all that kind of stuff. And I trusted her. So I didn't care. Yeah. Go work in Germany. And if you're going to be on the train and one day you're telling me you're working from a cafe sitting next to the Eiffel Tower. Awesome. Right. Right? I, I just don't, that's my personal philosophy. And I think there's more of that today. There definitely was not that. And yeah. That, yeah. That's that cultural shift, right? That had to happen. The tech was there, but that's that cultural shift that we had to work through. And we had to put computers in people's homes and realize that they weren't compromising banking information. Yes. You had to pick the right people because if we had picked the worst of the worst, right? Then yeah. there could have been we issues. Be in, but... Yeah. We wouldn't have been at the point that we were, we were at now. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I remember too, you, you're right. It was a bit stricter back then. 
um, I remember we had to have a dedicated workspace, right? That was like number one or two on the list. And I remember my wife, so I didn't, and at the time it's my daughter's room now, but at the time she wasn't here, it was my game room. And the closet in there was useless. We were using it for storage and she gutted that closet and built a night. Well, I built a desk, but she kind of designed a nice little workspace for me to where, you know, it, it, my Aruba device was uh, in there. It ran uh, up through the attic. I had a, a ethernet cable from my router up through the attic, down through the closet and it connected to my phone and computer and all of that. It was set up perfectly. And then, like you said, it was, it, we got to a point to where it didn't matter if we were at our dedicated yeah. space to, to be able to be productive Nobody else could be in like the that. room with you. Right. right? It had to be quiet. Yeah. This was, this was the case at the bank too, right? Nobody else could be in the room with you. And the door had to have a, have a lock. And in the case of people that had laptops, you had to be able to secure it in a drawer that had this. I mean, it almost, back then it was almost like Apple's NDA and agreements to take hardware, prototype right. hardware, right? That you're signing your life away saying, no one will ever see this device. You'll, you know, you're going to be in an interior room with no windows that has six layers of security. They're not that bad. <laughs> close, right? But that's it's how close, it had to yeah. be back then because you have to go through this transition of trust and you have to be able to prove that it's going to work. And in order to prove that it's going to work, you have to start as strict as you absolutely can and then open things right. up. Right. Right. And say, okay, this doesn't matter anymore. Oh, I've got a laptop. Well, we used to have to have glare screens on all of our computers. Right. So nobody mm -hmm. could see that. Well, we've kind of gone away from that kind of stuff. And, you know, four levels of authentication and um, VPN connections and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, nowadays, a lot of companies, you don't even need a VPN connection. You just sign into Google and get to your Google Docs with your company credentials or you're using Okta, right? SSO or mm -hmm. something like that to get into all of these services. And there is no VPN connection, right? right? right. I mean, yeah, we'll that would VPNs. not have been the case back then. I mean, I still remember sitting in a hotel room in Chicago and listening to a presentation and texting our security lead and saying, am I okay to like tether to my phone and him going, yeah, your phone connections good. Cause yeah. nobody, you're, that's harder to interrupt. Right. But do not touch the hotels. <laughs> right. Wi-Fi. Right. <laughs> Even with VPN, yeah. please don't touch the hotels. Wi-Fi. Just use your cellular connection. Some right. of those conversations. Right. Yeah. We, we've, we've, We've had that conversation with many people before. Stay off of the hotel Wi-Fi. Yeah, I know you're going to be flying through the, um, where was it that we had the weird offices? Somewhere in Europe. And uh, our execs would be flying through there. We know you're going to be in the off, off uh, or the airport there. Don't touch the Wi-Fi. Please don't yep. touch the Wi-Fi. Here's a hotspot and we'll connect your phone. You can get to the internet any of these ways. We'll take care yeah. of that part. Please don't touch the <laughs> stay off the Wi-Fi. <laughs> public Wi-Fi there. Yeah. So Yeah. And that that's that's part of this journey, right? Getting into whether you want to call it the lifestyle career or the digital nomad life is getting that remember I talked about that triple alignment, right? Technology, culture, and laws and legislation. And so yeah. the laws and legislation are slowly, slowly catching up with some of this stuff. Um, the cultural shift, there's a desire for the cultural shift to happen, but there's still some trust and things. I mean, these CEOs saying, 
no one can be more productive somewhere else. Everybody has to be in the office. That kind of a blanket statement is just a lack of understanding and cultural knowledge, right? Because right. yes, there are some jobs that absolutely you need to be in the office. I remember Steve Jobs made somebody, when they found out they were, they were living in Ireland, made them move to the Bay Area if they wanted to continue to do their job, right? And it's yeah. just like, come on. So that that's this cultural shift. And so there's this fight between the old school, I won't label generations, but there's this fight between this old school philosophy of it. If I don't see you, you're not doing what you're supposed to be. And this mm -hmm. new generation that says, if you don't trust me, I don't want to work for you. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about this new generation. Let's get back into digital <laughs> nomadism. Did you into that well enough, Jason? <laughs> yeah, Is that, that a good, a good lead segue. in for you? Let's talk about this new generation and get back into digital nomadism. So my first question, well, actually my only question, right? We're, we're just going to talk this thing through. Why doesn't this new generation want anything, right? Owning a home, planting roots, like we, like we, we keep saying, um, passing down property and assets through generations, right? It seems to me just you know that that standard american dream or the the average and i you know the quote unquote i i'm, I'm saying in, in, in quotes because the american dream is what you make of it right everybody's dream is different but and this is the rant part that i didn't want to sound like an old uh curmudgeon is it curmudgeon an yeah. old man just ranting about but we'll, we'll see how the ai spells curmudgeon when yeah. it generates the, the text for this yeah so Here's my old man rant. Why don't, and, and I, I can only talk about my sons and, and, and you know, my, my children and, and future generations. Why don't they want anything? Why don't they want things like owning a home? So, and I say that because I see so many people, younger generations, inheriting these houses from their grandparents or their, you know what I mean? And they live in their family home, but they're doing nothing to continue that that generational wealth or that, or, or, you know, continue the family or expanding that, that, uh, taking advantage of that opportunity that's been given to them, that's been left to them. So, and again, I'm not saying digital nomadism is wrong, but what happened to wanting to own a home? What happened to wanting to buy the album instead of just listening to the two songs on Amazon? Why doesn't a generation buy a microwave? Right? I mean, why are you ordering? every meal through uber eats you don't want to learn to cook not everyone has to learn to cook and not everybody's going to be good at it but these things that that we were we grew up with we were trained these responsibilities and things that we we grew up with this generation just can't be bothered with having it and again i'm not saying they're wrong for it i'm asking the question why don't they want these things why don't you want to own a home why don't you want to have these roots and 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 have something to pass down to your children, even though you don't have any children yet, right? Yeah. Even though children aren't on the radar for you. And I think when we talked about the article um, via text, I said, my number one problem with this is that you live this lifestyle when you're 20, but when you're 39, you say, I wish I would have bought a home when I was 39 because now the price is tripled from yeah. what it was then. So now I've met the woman or the man of my dreams 
I focused on my career and all that. Not, again, I'm not saying you're wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. But you focus on your career right out of college. You know, you lived in Maui for all of these years and you, you know, you, you work for, you know, you work for, for Google, you know what I mean? And they allowed you to live in Maui and all of that. And you met the man of your dreams. And he says, I want to be a school teacher in Detroit. Say, okay, I love my, I love my husband. I want to move with him. So now you're here in Detroit and yes, you can still work. But now again, everything, the property value is way out of reach. You're having to rent apartment. He's working full time. You're working your excellent job and you're barely being able to pay for this condo that you're renting and, and things like that. So anyway, I'm I'm still ranting and I'm probably repeating myself, but I don't want my children to live this lifestyle or anyone's children, my grandchildren to make this choice when they're 20. And then again, when they're 40, they're regretting the choices that they made. It's, it's, it's how I'm viewing this. You know what I yeah. mean? Well, there's a couple of pieces to this. One, I think you've got to have some sort of a dream. Okay. Right. So I think number one, that might be one of the problems is people that just don't have plans. They don't have dreams. And so they don't know where they want to go to. They're just going to roll with life. Yes. Right. I think that's a little bit of a problem. Yes, you should enjoy the journey, but you got to know where the journey is taking you. Either the journey that you're on currently, where is it going to lead me? And I had a whole series of episodes about this on Leaders Lift. You've either got to know where the current journey I'm on is going to take me, or you've got to know that I need to get to a different journey because I want to go somewhere else. If you don't know any of those things, you're just going to go with the flow because natural (laughs) man wants what is easiest. It's like water. Water's going to take a path. We all have that. Yes, all of us. And it's hard to overcome. The second problem that I've seen is that there's this entitlement thing. So when I think of younger generations, I think they look at their parents and they think, well, I'm entitled to everything my parents have. They don't know that it had to be worked for. Or, and this is what makes, this is what scares me a little bit is, and I mentioned this earlier, is that they look at the quote unquote American dream, owning a home, having roots, you know, having stability, all of those kinds of things. A traditional and, marriage. Yeah. <laughs> That's another that, thing. Right? Yeah. And it seems unattainable. Mm-hmm. You know, put the marriage piece apart, set that aside for just a second. If we're talking about financial stability and owning a home and being able to retire with a nest egg and pension or whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. they look at all of that kind of stuff. And because things are so expensive right now. And there seems to seem no end to that. It just seems like I'm never going to be able to get there. And so you give up to a certain extent, right? Or you start looking for alternatives. But then here's the other thought that came to me while you were talking is how many of these folks, two different things, they could have seen their parents, maybe they didn't see their parents, how their parents got to where they are today. Mm -hmm. Like I worry sometimes with my kids that you know, I've got a nice house and all this kind of stuff. And especially when I was working for a tech company, kind of did whatever I wanted, right? right? And right. my kids are starting to think about getting out of the house and getting jobs and all that kind of stuff. And they're saying, oh, I'm entitled to have those same benefits that dad had, but they didn't see or they don't remember how hard things were when we were managing apartments and my wife was doing daycare for six kids and I was working. Right full-time doing security work and going to school full-time just to be able to put ends meet 
on the table, right? Right. And right. so they didn't see that struggle, but they see the where we're at now in life and they go, oh, I'm just entitled. All of that's just going to happen for me. So that's one potential right. view. But the other view, I think, and I think I understand this last one more than any of the others is maybe they saw the struggle that their parents went through and realized that dad was never home. Or when yeah. dad was home, mom was gone because they were both working. And it was always about money and always about money and we've got to make more money or we don't have enough money and, and all of that kind of stuff. And maybe they see that and they go, yeah, that's not what I want. That particular one, I think I could understand better than maybe some of the other. I especially get frustrated with the entitlement and I don't want to work for it. Right. I just want it. Right. Some yeah. of that kind of stuff. I, to a certain extent, understand the unreachable piece because it just seems so overwhelming. Like I could hear it in Dustin's voice when he said, I will never be able to own a home. Right. I could just hear it. And he wants to be a musician and not yeah. a rock star you know, making six gazillion dollars a year kind of musician, the kind of musician yeah. that teaches and plays in a symphony and does private lessons. And, you know, wife also has a job in order to make ends meet. And he's just going, I'll never be able to afford a home. So I can right. hear that. Especially it's, where that is, you know, if yeah. he's in New York or somewhere like that. Yep. Yeah. So I hear that. And then, like I said, maybe they just see this. And I think we do this to a certain extent. If we're never satisfied with where we've gotten in life and we've put in all this work, but we're always talking about what's next and what's next, and our kids are seeing, well, I've watched them struggle. I've watched mom and dad fight about finances, yeah. or I've, I've watched all of these things, or I've had them tell me, no, we can't afford that, but you can't go to so-and-so's birthday party because I can't afford to buy a present for you to take to go, right? If they've right. seen all of that kind of stuff and all of this effort and everything that mom and dad have put in, and mom and dad are still going, it's still not good enough. Yeah. So yeah. there, those are my takes on why they do this. And there's a lot of that that's influencing my current state. There's a lot of that, whether you recognize it or not, I think you do, but whether you recognize it or not, there's a lot of that that's influencing what you're doing right, right. now with your own business, right? Which is just going, yeah, it's just not. And you're teaching your kids. I see the post. I see your kids out working the events. And I see your right. post, your kids out there helping do this kind of stuff. So you're teaching them those kinds of things. Hopefully they're picking up on the fact that they're picking up not just on what to do, but the why right. you're doing this. Right. And, and that's my number one thing that I want my son to get. So when I talk about my own family, going back to your, the first points you made, um, I see both sides of it. My my oldest son, and remember, there's a huge age gap. My my oldest son is 23, and and my youngest son just turned 13, 24 actually, and, and 13. So I was a different parent raising oh, yeah. my oldest son. Right, yep. he saw me with the crappy jobs, and 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 he saw me with you know struggling and and you know getting the lights cut off and things like that. And then you know as he grew up, then I met my wife. Um, I became a different person. I was ready to grow up and become a man then too. And, and that was this shift from the person, even some of the old friends and stuff I run into, I'm not the same person that, that I am now. So got married, um, about five years into the marriage that my, my oldest, son, my middle son was born. He was born to a different father. 
career-wise, you know, I was in a better position in my career. I made more money. Mm-hmm. Um, so he didn't have to see the things that he saw. So I see the difference. My oldest son, he knows those struggles and stuff that we've been through and all of that. Whereas, you know, my middle son and my, and my daughter, they don't, yeah. they don't know any of that. So uh, I do try to push him to, to come to work and stuff like that. And I tell people all the time, the number one thing I want him to do to get out of life is to be like, man, my dad worked hard. He worked every weekend. He forced me to work every weekend. I'm not going to go that route. I'm going to go to college and become a doctor, a lawyer or something. Yeah. Or on the flip side, he's just going to be a hard worker. And I'm happy with either way. You know what I mean? He's going to say, I don't want to do the college thing. I don't want to do the the traditional thing. I'm just going to work hard and support my family and, and things like that. And either way, I'll be happy with. So as long yeah. as he's not, like you mentioned earlier, just I'm just going to go with the flow. They're going to leave me in this house. They're old anyway. I always have a yeah. place to live. I don't want to work hard for, for things because I know that I have these things, that entitlement thing. You know, I don't want, I don't want uh, them to go through. So, yeah, I, I kind of see both sides of that, are you, uh, of that, you know, that point of view. So you're right. But, man, it just, it just frustrates me that, yeah, th- this, yeah. you know, we, we talked before, they're, they're having less sex. They're having less traditional marriage. They're not having as many kids and stuff. What, are, what do they want? There, there's, there's an element of selfishness to some of this too. Yeah. Right. I want what I want and I don't want to do that. I don't think I want to go into that because boy, you could really get me off right, right. on a tangent there. But, <laughs> you know, I think if I think about what I would want, like you, I, Wyatt will still talk about Saturday mornings when we would go help somebody move or we right. have, you know, somebody that needed you know, clean up in their yard or something like that. And we would go out and do that. Or we would go out and tear grass out of the front yard to put in rock. Or, you know, we put literally around my house here, we have 13 tons of rock because we tore out a bunch of bushes and stuff like that and wanted less Mm -hmm. maintenance. And he helped shovel all of that rock from the truck to the wheelbarrow to spreading it out. And that was a summer. And so he remembers all of that kind of stuff. And I want them to do that. But what I wish I had taught them was that their own dreams and their journey, as long as they're willing to work towards them and go after them, that's what's, that's what's important, right? And that they right. have to work for them. They can't just expect that it's going to come to them. And um, so, you know, I hope they, they get this. And I know we're probably running right at the end here. But, you know, if I think I lost my mom and my dad last right. year. Right. And my mom lived with my grandma. So she didn't own any yeah. real estate. Um, once they split, she rented for a long time. And then, you know, once my grandpa passed away, my mom ended up moving in with my grandma and that was fine. They both needed each other. Um, yeah. but she had no assets from a life of work. Right. I mean, she worked when I was growing up, growing up, she went into nursing school and was a nurse. And rarely do I remember her not having to work. Even when my dad was working, my dad was a school teacher. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, once he got out of that, did some other stuff and then he got hurt really bad. He ended up with nothing to his name either. And I just see how hard their lives were, um, to end up with nothing at the end and not to get into it too much, but you know, 
what was their real goal? I know my mom's goal was taking care of her kids and her grandkids. She just wanted to be in their lives. So she'd rather spend, you know, hundreds or thousands of dollars on Christmas for everybody to have a good Christmas than for her to save up and buy a home. Right. Okay. That's a dream, right? Whether it sounds like it or not, that's a dream. That's what she would rather do. But I don't know that my dad had any sort of direction or thoughts about wanting his life to be better and wanting to do different things. And so I don't want to make that wow. that same mistake, right? As I get later in life, I want to make choices that give me choice and give my family choices and that we can enjoy those things that absolutely matter the most. So that's what I think is most important. Number one is knowing yeah. what you want to get. This podcast is about getting more out of life through tech, but you and I are both about getting more out of life, period. End of yeah. story. In order to do that, you've got to know what you want to get out of life. Yeah. And you've got to be willing to work for it and pay the price. Yeah. Like I tell my son, not a week goes by that I tell my son, don't let 20 year old Jalen make decisions that's going to affect 40 year old Jalen. Yeah. So don't make decisions now. It's okay to work in a certain direction, work towards those goals in life, but don't make decisions now. That's going to affect 40-year-old Jalen. Don't back yourself into a corner. That's the biggest thing. Course correcting along the way, always, always going to be course correcting. And that's why I was telling you before we started recording today, I'm trying to figure out, I know where I want to go in this transition. And last Mm -hmm. night I couldn't fall asleep because I was trying to figure out every step between here and that end destination. That doesn't work (laughs) because life doesn't yeah. work that way. But what I can do is say, <laughs> what are these next two or three things that I can start working on and make yeah. those steps and then go, okay, am I still headed in the same direction? Yes. Do I want to still head in the same direction? Yes. Okay. Now what are the next set of steps that we yeah. need to do? And that's what I, I hope that my kids will do better than than I did rather, because I did much more of the, nope, I'm just going to go to work. And if I'm making super good money, doesn't matter how yeah. miserable I am or how ornery I am when I get home, you know, yeah. or that I miss things from kids or that two days after my daughter's born, I'm getting my wife telling me, go back to work. Right. That's not good. Yeah. And I regret no, those situations in life. And I'm trying not to do that with my grandkids. I'm a different yeah. grandpa than I was. A yeah. Dad. Yeah. That's why grandpas are so awesome anyway, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. All our experiences has has led us to this position. So we can be better grandpas than we were fathers. So Yep. Yep. <laughs>